Welcome to Christ in Prophecy. We're glad that you've connected with us today through the miracle of modern technology. Our topic is one that incites fear in those who are not grounded by faith in Jesus Christ, or conversely, it sparks a perverse fascination in those who are in open rebellion against the Lord. I'm speaking of Satan. Peter said that we should be of sober spirit and be on the alert because our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Martin Luther's great hymn of faith contains this stanza. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. It is not our intention to make too much of Satan today, but we don't want to make the mistake of making too little of him either. We will consider our infernal adversary from a biblical perspective. So how about it, guys? How are we to make, and what are we to make of Satan? Well, Tim, uh, I've studied Satan in detail, both uh, as the, my book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation, deals with angels. Well, Satan is a fallen angel, so I have a whole chapter about angels and demons. But I want to start with what our good friend Mike Heil with Rapture Ready wrote. He said, to many, Satan is a cartoon character or mythological creation that is imaginary and harmless. Of course, the real Satan takes pleasure in this harmless caricature for his persona, for it helps disguise his diabolical plans and keeps most people in the dark concerning his real intentions for them. As long as Satan is not taken seriously, he's able to push his agenda forward without being suspected as the culprit and the cause of many of the world's problems. I think we have a problem, gentlemen, today, is that people don't take Satan seriously. They mythologicalize him. They say he's an ideal. They say he, he's just an embodiment of evil. But we make the argument he's an actual, real, physical, fallen angel, right? Yes. Yes, yes. we do. And I think there's a big misconception about it, too. I mean, I think people get the, the image or the picture, you know, I have an angel on this side of my shoulder, and I have, the, I have the devil over here, and they're both trying to persuade me. And Satan is not equal to God. He's very limited in time, space, power, and everything else. So to put them there and say they're equal, it's just, there's a misconception there that we have. And that's why I'm glad we're doing this show. It could be an odd topic, but this is an important topic to talk about because people need to understand the seriousness of it. It is an important topic. And as we start this year, I think the Lord has much in store for us this mm -hmm. year. But I think we need to understand that we are not in a, in a battle just against flesh and blood. Obviously, mm -hmm. there are some who are opposed to us in that manner. We've seen flesh and blood obviously come against Israel, but they are motivated by principalities, by yes. satanic and demonic forces, and, and those are at play at all times. Yes. So let's turn to the Word of God. What are some of the names for Satan, our adversary, that are contained in Scripture? Well, I think going back in the time of the Scriptures, the names represent a character. So what you would name somebody, it would kind of show who they are. And I don't think it's by mistake that in Scripture, Satan's called a liar. Mm. He's called a murderer. He's called an accuser because that really is his character and who he is. We got to remember too that Satan didn't start out evil. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he was created before the heavens and earth were created. The angelic world existed before humanity's creation. He was known as Lucifer or light bearer. He was a, a cherubim. He was a guardian over the throne of God. He, he was considered a worship leader. He was also the most yeah. beautiful yeah. and most powerful of all of creation. But because of that beauty and because of that, uh, the worship that he saw the most high get, he himself wanted that for himself. And so he was able to persuade a third of the angels to join him in a rebellion to try to overthrow the Holy One. Of course, 
God's all-powerful. Satan, even as the greatest and most powerful creation, couldn't do it. And he was cast down the earth. And that's why he's called Satan, because Satan, as the name means, adversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few more to add to your list. Uh, Beelzebub, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Flies. Belial, which means hopeless ruin. The devil, which means defamer. I, I had to look that up. That's interesting. When we say devil, we mean the defamer. Mm-hmm. The defamer. He's called the dragon, the prince of this world, the serpent, the tempter, and the wicked one. Right. The wicked one. You know, I always remind people that somehow, in a way that we can't fully understand, I certainly can't fathom it, Satan still has access to the throne room of God. You say, no, wait, just a minute. What? I thought God couldn't be in the presence of, of evil. But we learn in Job, Job that Satan came before the Lord and the Lord said, have you ever considered my servant Job? And Satan, oh, Job, I always say, I'm, I'm glad the Lord didn't use me as an example, but really the Lord allows us to endure trials to prove our faith. He already knows, yep. but Satan does come before to accuse us. There will be a time, Nathan, you mentioned he was cast down to earth. Yes, he was cast out of heaven. Somehow he still has access. We know there's coming a time, which we'll discuss in a few moments, when he will no longer have access to heaven. But right now, Satan wants to accuse us at every turn. And I I almost envision the Lord saying, now wait just a minute, you're accusing uh, Tim. Son, do you know Tim? Yes, Father, he's a a brother. He, He belongs to us. All right, then Satan, your words have no power here because Tim, David, Nathan belong yeah. to me. Yeah, we can go and get yeah. first person account of what Satan believes, what he thinks, what his strategies by going to Isaiah 14, as well as Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28. I was say that. Yeah. I didn't want to miss that part. Oh, you I'll that let up you take that one. Let me take yeah. Isaiah 14 because it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down the ground, you who weaken the nations. For, this is why, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of congregation. And it goes on and on as he's sitting there bragging, I'm going to be this and I'm, I'm going to yeah. take God's place and I want the world to worship him. Well, Satan was cast down for his rebellion. And if he can't rule the universe, then he's going to try to ru- right. rule earth and rule over those of us made in the image of Amen. God. Right. And what's important that I think we miss, and it might be a different time for a different show, but he had talent in heaven. He was a musician. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 both talk about that. So when he's cast out, he still has that talent. He still has that that ability. He just does it in a way that that dishonors God, that, you know, it's against God. Music still does that. Do we we worship God with music or do we go against God with music? Because that gift is still there and that talent is still there. It reminds me of that video I saw as a teenager called Hell's Bells where they they showed the satanic influence with certain music. Uh, I think a lot of people don't think because we have these character of Satan that he's this goat looking man, he's got a, a pointy tail and he's red and he's got a pitchfork. But the Bible says that he was so beautiful yeah. that he was jewel encrusted. He was a light bear. It's very much that because he's always compared to a, a, a lizard or a dragon that he's because the cherubim yes. have different animalistic faces that maybe he's dragon in real form. But he's not this ugly, disgusting looking creature. When you look at him, he's going to be the most beautiful and amazing thing you've ever seen. And he can appear as an angel of light. Right. Right. And so we have to be discerning and we have to test the spirits. Even if someone comes to us claiming to come in the name of Christ, we have to listen to their words because Satan will try to deceive us. He is the deceiver. He is the father of lies. And so we have to be very careful and on guard spiritually. And that's why we tell even our viewers, everything we say, you need to test 
against the Word of God. Don't take our word for it. We're not here to proclaim opinion. We're here to point you to the Word of God. And so we should test every spirit. Well, obviously Satan has great power still, but uh, Dave, I know you have a particular way that you I like do. to uh, speak of Satan. So what is your take on how much... Uh, respect we ought to give him. Well, I, I don't want to give that loser any respect at all. So, and, and this is my own personal opinion. I wrote a book on the book of Revelation. Um, I went back to the Old Testament showing how the book is shown in the Old Testament. And when Satan's name came up, which it does come up, I refused to capitalize it. So speaking about him, I just refused to capitalize it. When I sent the book in to my editor, and she was a believer, she, the first few times she thought it was a typo. But she, she saw the pattern going, so she contacts me and said, do you realize you didn't, you didn't capitalize devil, Satan, anything? I said, I, I know. She goes, well, that's grammatically incorrect. And I went, I don't care. She goes, well, what are you, gonna, you can't publish that way. I go, I will. And she says, but you're going to take, it's grammatically incorrect. I go, I'll take the hit grammatically. <laughs> I'm just okay. not going to give that loser any kind of credit. Okay. So, but she said, what about when it's capitalized in Scripture? And I said, I won't touch Scripture. If, if uh, God wants to capitalize it, that's fine. But when I write about it, when I mention it, it is not going to be capitalized. All right, so there, there's a position. What do you think, Nathan? Should we, should we give respect to this loser, or should we be wary of the power that he still, still wields? Well, as a writer, the grammatical thing would drive me insane. I would have to capitalize it because it's a proper name. But I am so with you on the fact that mm -hmm. we don't give him one right. inch whatsoever. He is a defeated creature. Not only has he been defeated, he can't possibly... Uh, you know, we, we, people look at Satan and God and they say, well, it's a yin and yang. They're equal right. in power. Mm -hmm. It's an Two equal shoulders. battle. Yep. And it's not the truth at all. God's power is so infinitely above Satan, he could just do and Satan would be gone in an instant. But God uses Satan as a lightning rod for choice. We mm -hmm. all have free will. We all have choice. And so God uses Satan to have us give a choice. Do you choose good or evil? Mm -hmm. Loyalty to the Lord or rebellion with Satan? And so when Satan's time is done, when, when he's not useful anymore, he will be cast aside. So it's the losing team to go on his side. Mm -hmm. Well, now I will be a little bit of a counterpoint in, okay. in just this regard. I always come back to the book of Jude. And Jude records an instance mm -hmm. when Michael came and was giving revelation. And in verse 9 of Jude, this very short book of the Bible, mm -hmm. right before Revelation, Jude says this, but Michael the archangel, so we're talking about a very mm -hmm. high and, uh, and, and an angel with great responsibility, when he was disputing with the devil, so he's arguing with Satan, was not, or excuse me, he was arguing about the body of Moses, but he did not dare pronounce against him, Satan, a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And I, I, take, I take instruction from this. If even mm -hmm. Michael, the, the mighty angel, would not dare to, to condemn Satan or to, to blaspheme him, but said, you know what, the Lord rebuke you. I guess I take a position that I'm going to be careful, not in the power of Tim to discredit or demean the devil, in the power of Christ. We have mm -hmm. the ability to overcome all his fiery darts and to put on what we talked about in our prayer before this episode, the armor of God, but I still re recognize that he is indeed a powerful adversary and not one to be taken lightly. He's and, still a loser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also have to take it in light of 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcame them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So, yeah, he's a loser, and uh, we have to take him seriously because he is the most powerful of any of the created beings. Right. But we've got God, we have the Holy Spirit in us, 
And even if they destroy these bodies, we will still have victory through Jesus Christ through eternity. Right. And that goes back to what you brought up with Job. To me, Job is a story of spiritual warfare. Yeah. I, I see the demons and angels on both sides watching what Job's going to do. And it, it shows the importance of intercessory prayer. It because does. when the accusation is brought against him, the devil's going to be right. Everything he accuses you of, he's going to be correct on. That's interesting. That's so, a good point. But what we need to do is be praying for that because it doesn't matter if you're guilty or not. You're going to be cleansed because of the prayer and because of the blood of Christ. So by we bring in prayer up in accessory prayer, that, that spiritual courtroom battle that takes place, we become victorious even though we're guilty because of being in Christ. And I would submit this. We cannot give in even to the accusations. I will tell you in a former life, I, I was a training interrogator for mm -hmm. the Air Force. And so one of my favorite tactics was to trick someone into making a mistake as they were trying to mm -hmm. resist the interrogation. And once they made a mistake, I'd just needle them on it. Oh, look mm -hmm. at the mistake you made. Mm -hmm. And I would try to break them down because once they'd made one mistake mm -hmm. and began to, to think about it, they'd make another, then sure. another, then another. Sure. If Satan can get inside our head, or dare I say inside our heart and let us become defeated mm -hmm. because he's constantly hurling accusations, scripture calls him fiery darts, yep. then pretty soon he can break down our defenses and we have to say, get thee behind me, Satan, I stand on Christ. And I'm reminded when the angel came and, and one of the great uh, faithful of the Old Testament said, whose side are you on? And the angel said, I'm not on any side. I serve the Lord God. Mm -hmm. And so really, it's not a matter of God's on our side. We serve mm -hmm. and are only protected in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in light of the fact that Satan is the father of lies, so all the accusations that he puts in our head that are constantly nagging us, there might be a kernel of truth to that because of our Always. fallen sin right. But he will augment that and he will make us feel miserable and he will try to trip us up uh, you and I love uh, the screw tape letters. Yes, we, we interviewed do. Mondo Gonzalez right. over at Prophecy Watchers about it because he wrote a great book on it. And it's about how the demonic world is constantly using these little tactics, these little lies based on a kernel of truth. To if, he, if they can't keep us from God, then if we are in God, then it'll keep us from being effective in God. And so we have right. to watch our minds because our minds are right. constantly under attack. But he's a counterfeiter. He's not a creator. So Absolutely. what he does, he does constantly. How he went after Eve in the garden, you know, the, the, the lust of the eyes. This yes. looks good. You need this, you know, uh, pride, the lust of, uh, it, same thing with Jesus in the wilderness, in the desert. Mm -hmm. How did Jesus rebuke that? The Word of God. Yes. So I think that's a beautiful insight. Satan counterfeits and he, he takes what is good and he twists and warps it. You, you mentioned pride. Obviously, even we, when we look at a rainbow, the first thing that comes to our mind is not the promise right. of God to Noah. It is something that Satan has twisted, even that beautiful symbol to represent something else, which is, is an abomination to yeah. God. But let's ask this. We're not psychiatrists or psychologists. We didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> But how can we analyze Satan's motives and how can he possibly think he can win against the Lord God Almighty when the Lord's already told what the final uh, outcome of all of human history will be in Satan's defeat? What's Satan's motive even to try to get us pulled down and, and cast into hell alongside him? Well, I think there's two, two questions there, so two answers. Isaiah 14, 14, we're back to that. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Mm. That's his goal. He wants the worship that's due God from the world, from us, because we are made in his image. Knowing that he is a defeated creature, he's going to try to take as many down with yes. him as he can. Yes. But I question whether he actually knows he's a defeated creature, because sometimes the greatest liars deceive themselves. 
and he seems to think that he's gonna win. And I'll tell you what his strategy is. He does this every time. If I can get enough people on my side, I will have a big enough army to overthrow God. It didn't yeah. work in heaven. It won't work during the tribulation when the Antichrist has the entire world uh, lined up to try to stop Christ when he returns. At the end of the millennial kingdom, when, when he gets the, the children born yeah. during the millennial yeah. kingdom that side with him and they march on Jerusalem, God just sends fire, boom, it's over. Satan has this failed strategy again and again. He's self-deceived. And to answer the question, I say the same thing. He's delusional. He, he thinks he can win. And what he's needed to do is, is get into our emotion, to tap into our emotions. He's called the serpent and the dragon, Genesis 3, Revelation 12, for a reason and for a purpose yes. with that. And when he tries to tap into our human emotions, it, he deceives us into becoming his ally, which is Galatians 2 and 2 Peter 2. So again, he tries to get us to say, well, God is a loving God, a compassionate God, a forgiving God, so I can do this. And we start sinning. And what sinning does, it, it hardens our heart. And, and the harder our heart gets, the further we push God away. And before long, we're not even thinking about God. And Satan comes in there and just with the delusion and the lies and the deceit. Uh, you, you mentioned Genesis chapter 3. I'm reminded that Satan first asked Eve, did God really say? Yes. Mm -hmm. And Eve for a moment may have thought, well, what did God say? And then Satan contradicted God directly. You will not die. Yeah. In other words, did God really say what you think he said? And when Eve started to wonder about it, he contradicted and said, no, God lied to you. And to this day, God, uh, Satan, excuse me, would try to mm. confuse us mm -hmm. and try to lead us astray if we're not grounded in the Word of God. That's why we encourage all of you to test every word against Scripture, against what God has revealed, and don't trust us or anyone else, and don't listen to the lies of Satan. But to this day, Satan is still trying to twist and warp the Word of God, and yet he knows the Word of God. I will point this out. Mm -hmm. When Satan came to tempt Jesus Christ, and we have that record recorded in Matthew yep. chapter 4, how did he tempt Christ? Well, he, he brought the same thing he did with Eve, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride. But he also quoted Scripture. And, and that's how Jesus fought back. He <laughs> quoted Scripture back. So how do we stand against the, the deceit of the, of the enemy? By being in God's Word. We follow Jesus' example because he quoted Deuteronomy three times, all three times. And Satan even took Psalm and just twisted. He took Psalm 91 and twisted it. So it was a little, a nugget of truth, but then he made it to what he wanted it to be, which yes. we would do all the time. So it's just, the way we respond is to be in the, in the Word of God. And what's interesting is how successful Satan is, because yeah. what the, the Bible says that the broad is the road that leads to destruction. We know that more people born uh. will go to hell than they will go to heaven. And I think we go back to Genesis 3, 4 again, where it says, you will be like God. That is what Satan was promising Adam and Eve, that they would become gods one day. What do we see in the world, especially as the Great Reset moves forward with transhumanism and all this desire to make humans evolve into becoming gods again? And so that's, we gotta, I think, protect ourselves by not having that little bit of, I don't wanna say divinity, but the little bit of this desire in all of us to be worshiped as gods like Satan does. And to that's why we have to sup, supplement ourselves underneath the Lord and realize He's divine, He's the only one worthy, and worship Him that way. And that's a battle, man. That's a, it that's is a, a battle. battle. You know, the three temptations of mm -hmm. Satan uh, that he came against Christ yeah. with in, in Matthew chapter 4, first was just for the, the, the physical need of food and nourishment. So the he, lust of the eye. The lust mm -hmm. of the eyes. And then with worship, prior to the proper time and without the proper context of worship only God. And the third thing was something that people sometimes misunderstand. Satan offered King, Christ the kingdoms, kingdoms of the world. Pride. Yep. And so 
people will say, well, Satan has no power in this world. Well, I, I would disagree. He had possession of the kingdoms of this earth and were affirmed in that continuing reality in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, where uh, John himself says, and I've got the wrong verse here, but he says that he has the kingdoms of this world. They still, the whole world lies within the realm of the evil one. Satan still has a great deal of power. So those who clamor for power, the, the despots and dictators, and really each one of us in our mortal flesh, which wants to expand our own power base, Satan can say, oh, you want, you want that? I can give that to you. And it becomes a false uh, ascension to mm -hmm. a godlike status. But, but he would feed that ego, that pride, and that desire of a sinful heart. And it's only temporary, though, because we read in Revelation 4 or 5 that there's only one who's worthy to open up the scroll. Mm, the scroll yes. is the title deed to the earth. It is. So people say, well, you know, Jesus defeated Satan when he died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. That is true. But Jesus has not come back and taken the title deed and claimed what is his, the earth. So that's why Satan still rules over this earth. It boggles the mind when people say Satan's not active in this day and age. It's like, have you watched the news? Right. But right. Jesus Christ is the only one worthy because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. He can open the title deed to the earth and come and claim what's his. It is 1 John 5, verse there 19, where we, it says mm -hmm. the whole world lies. Didn't, didn't say lay or, or did lay. It lies in the power of the evil one. But the very next verse, and we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him in truth and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. Can, can I ask a question? Going back to Genesis, we keep bringing that up. What was Eve's greatest sin? Was it taking from the tree or was it adding to God's word? Mm. Oh boy. Mm. Because he said, what did God say? He said, she, he said not to eat from the tree and not to what? Touch the tree. Did God ever say, don't touch the tree? So she added to the word as well. And then when God dealt with the sin, he cursed the ground and he cursed the devil. He cursed the serpent, did not curse man. And in fact, what came out of that was the promise of the, the Messiah coming. Genesis 3.15 is the first promise of the, of the virgin birth and the Messiah. So when we look at this, again, it comes back to being in God's word. It's important not to misquote it, not to misinterpret it, not to take it out of context, and to realize that even in the beginning, when everything was cursed, that there was a hope and the Messiah was coming. Amen. And the power would be there and the victory would be there. And there's been a whole lot of chaos since then. Absolutely. But, but the been. promise of the hope in the future is there. You know, as we record this show, just over 50 years ago in 1972, Hal Lindsey, who was a great proclaimer of the Lord's soon return, released a book entitled Satan is Alive and Well on Planet mm. Earth. And even then, in the early 70s, people who considered themselves enlightened were already rejecting the concept mm. of Satan. Oh, come on. That, that's, that's fairy tale stuff. And they were already becoming taken with their own secular ideology and casting off the fetters of religion, simply refusing to believe in what I've already labeled an infernal adversary. Here we are, 50 years later. Mm. What evidence do you see that the world has, has moved on from the idea that there is a spiritual realm or that we have a, an internal adversary? Uh, apathy. 
disbelief. Mm, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. You know, yeah. studies say 13% of Americans read the Bible, you know, but how does faith come? By hearing the Word of God. So again, it all comes back to the Word of God, whether you're, you're fighting the, the, the thickness, whether you're going against the, 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 the Satan, whatever you're going against, it all comes back to the Word of God because we're not there. And there's a sense of defeatism that Satan yeah. is getting more powerful yeah. and we feel like, well, what can we do to stop him? But we got to remember what the Bible says. Like you said earlier, again, Isaiah 14, 15, you, Satan, shall be brought down to Sheol, the pit, to the lowest depths of the pit. We read in Revelation 20, how when Jesus Christ returns in all his glory with us following him on the white horses in the angelic world and Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet have their armies there, what happens? Jesus, by just a word, speaks mm -hmm. and the armies melt. And he takes the Antichrist and false prophet and he chucks them in the lake of fire and Satan gets put in a pit for a thousand years and Jesus does something weird, but he <clears> lets <throat> Satan out briefly so the people during the millennial kingdom have to choose, choose him or not. Yep. He tries again one more time to come up and overthrow Jesus in Jerusalem. Fire comes down. He's thrown into the lake of fire where we burn forever and ever and ever. Our adversary will be defeated. And when we have that in our minds, then the apathy, I think, goes away because we know that we are on the victorious side. But the problem is a lot of people say, well, yeah, Satan deserves that. He deserves the wrath of God if, if he in, even exists. But the Word of God makes clear that all of us who reject Jesus yes. Christ we also deserve God's wrath. And really, that's the only either-or solution. You're either in Christ or, you're or you're outside right. of the, the grace of God. So John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does, who does not obey the Son, how do you obey the Son? Well, first of all, by believing in Him, by trusting in Him for your eternal salvation, will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the sad reality, not only does Satan get cast aside forever, but those who have rejected Christ, the wrath of God abides on them, and they too have a fate worse than death in terms of what awaits them in eternity. The second death. The first death is physical, the second death is spiritual, being separate from God for eternity. And that's something most people don't think, too, is that hell was created for Satan and demons because of their rebellion against him. But when we sinned, we fell under that same punishment. It's a yeah. just punishment yeah. for our continued rebellion against God and our sins. And so that's where Satan is. But it can be our punishment as well if we, like you said, don't fall under the wrath of God anymore by taking hold of Jesus' lifeline of salvation. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. Scripture is very <clears throat> clear that the, the, the devil, Satan is the God of this world. That's from 2 Corinthians. He's the prince of the power of the air and that he is the rule of the world. I already talked about uh, 1 John chapter 5 uh, where he is the power that has the whole world lying in his power. But those of us who are in Jesus Christ are more than overcomers because as 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so this brings us to the final question. Do you know Jesus Christ? we would encourage you to put your trust in Him today. In other words, is Satan nipping at your heels and whispering lies and accusations in your ear at every turn? In the power of Christ, tell Him, get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. Next week, we will examine one more nefarious actor who will soon appear on the world scene, the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. The final mega-maniacal world leader will unite the world under a global government Indwelled by Satan himself halfway through the tribulation, he will attempt to eradicate Christians and Jews from the face of the earth, but Christ will crush his head when he returns. Join us for the next episode of Christ in Prophecy, where we'll tell you the rest of the story about the dreaded Antichrist. Until then, join Nathan and Dave and me in looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Godspeed. <laughs>
Encounter 72 of God's Mightiest Angels as they proclaim God's messages of warning and hope to a lost world. Get your copy of the best-selling book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation, by Dr. Nathan Jones for a gift of $20 or more, and that includes shipping. Not only will you uncover the mysteries of the book of Revelation, but you'll also unveil the war between the angels and the demons. And speaking of demons, did you know that hell is a real place? Hell was created as the eternal abode of Satan and his angels. But what happened to cause mankind to also be destined to that infernal punishment? Find out as Dr. David Reagan contrasts the two evangelical views of hell in his gripping DVD, The Reality of Hell. For a gift of $20 or more, and that includes shipping, get your copy by calling the number on the screen or order online at lamblion.com. 